We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Rocker Room production. So this is our this is our third go-round on this baby. Excited. Um, Give I gotta be honest with you. What's I, up? I thought... I thought I thought this I thought today was gonna have a different vibe to it. How so? Um well if I was a betting man, which I am not, mm-hmm. thankfully, because if I was a betting man I would be very poor. Um but if I was a betting man, I would have said that they would have made at least one substantial move and it would be a lot for us to dig our teeth into and that we would not be sitting here two days after the trade deadline talking about Andre fucking Drummond. As I, I'm just like, I'm fully prepared to spend the next hour discussing the pros and the very glaring cons of this. Um, I mean, there's also the perspective of the fact that they didn't, you know, and what that means. Um, yeah. Well, I have some I have some stuff that I want to share. Hold on, I'm actually just retweeting. Um, wait, actually, did you? Not yet. You... So stay stay right there, and you can retweet the link. Okay, perfect. Okay. Anyway, um, so as we are getting uh, getting set to get this thing really kicked off for good, if anybody has anything, um, some opening thoughts that they want to share, um, feel free. But um, what I what I will oh here we go. What I will say just to start off is I've been real. I've been going back and forth about this because for anybody who doesn't get the newsletter, um, I wrote essentially that I think they get another, just like they did for, for the free agency period that I'm giving the Knicks another incomplete for their, for their, <laughs> I think, I hope that's my wife, unless somebody else has a picture of my daughter in sunglasses, um, on here. Uh, yes, that is indeed, that is indeed your wife. That is indeed my wife. Okay. Yes. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah, everybody seems to be on the same page about drama. I'm, I'm giving the Knicks another incomplete, just like I gave them for free agency. And whereas I thought like my, my, my take after free agency was that they get an incomplete, but it's an incomplete, like a really solid incomplete, like uh, an incomplete with like a B plus shine to it. Whereas, whereas now after this, I'm more like you get an incomplete, but it's with more like a B minus C plus shine to it. And I feel, and and Jack Huntley of the Strickland made a good point on Twitter to me. He's, and I think it was essentially that not doing anything is different than 
not getting involved in any possible talks and then like being, you know, afraid to do so. Like they were clearly involved here. They were involved with the Lonzo Ball stuff. Like I reported that. I think, you know, Chris Persianen reported that, that they were having talks with the, or they had an offer out to the Pelicans. Like, I don't think it's any secret. I, Ian Bagley reported that, you know, so they were involved in stuff. They had an offer on the table. Like they, they were absolutely in on the, possibility of a Lowry three-way trade. Like, those two things we know. And then, then like, nothing came together. So, it's a matter of, like, do you trust the front office that they did not overspend, or do you you think that this is a, a front office that's, like, paralyzed by fear? And there was a good deal on the table, and they just bypassed it. I'll, I'll get into it maybe in in a few minutes based on what I right, heard. Right, right. Well, before you before you, I, I send you off to do locker room. Let me just hit some ground rules with some people in the chat real quick. Um, for those who are here for the first time, um, welcome to our Saturday morning locker room live stream. And uh, the way this is going to work, I'll try to contribute when I can, but. As has come the norm here at Next Film School, I will be running things behind the scenes. Uh, we're going to try and get as many people on stage as possible. So if you'd like to join us up on stage, click uh, Request to Speak, and I will bring you on one at a time, try to get you seven, eight minutes. Uh, if I bump you, welcome to Talk Radio. That's like what how that works. Uh, and, you know, join us next week. But we'll want to get as many people up here as, as we can. Uh, so if you have a topic you'd like to discuss, go right ahead and we'll bring you up here. Um, I think that's it. We already got our first one. Uh, so I think I know where this conversation is going to. Uh, I will just it. really quick ask, uh, answer your question um, by asking a question. What do you think Tibbs wanted? Because that your own article, I've read it excessively over the past couple of weeks of the, the tug of war that goes on, it seems, in that front office. So do you think if Tibbs had more power, is Drummond here? Would they have pulled the trigger for Lonzo? Like, where do you think, like, is Tibbs actually satisfied with what happened at the deadline? Or is he, as he said in the article, really getting hinky frustrated with Brock Allard? So here's what I'll, here's what I'll say to that. I don't think, I don't think Thibodeau has any obsession with Andre Drummond, but I think Thibodeau is a coach. And I think from what I know about coaches and in any sport is that coaches are convinced that they're going to be able to, to be the guy to take the talented player and make them the best version of themselves. And, hey, in Tibbs' defense, that's exactly what the hell he's done this year, right? Right. He, he did that with you. Ju- I mean, listen, we could go who the hell knows how much of Julius Randle's emergence is due to Tibbs, how much of it's due to Randall just like committing to make himself the best version of himself. But I think you could argue that there's several guys on this team who are having their career best seasons and they all happen to be under Tom Thibodeau. So do I think Tibbs thinks that he'd be able to corral Andre Drummond? Absolutely. Do I think Tibbs is, was arguing or, or or jumping up and down on the table for, for Drummond? No, I don't. And I don't think he's doing that even now. Um, here's what I, what I will say. Ian Begley is like the goat when it comes to this stuff. And if I, I have, uh, I think it's a small cottage industry that I've developed for myself of reading between the lines of Ian's pieces that he writes. And he, he snuck in something in a recent piece where he basically, he, he pointed out how Tibbs seems to be very praising of Mitchell Robinson and like, all indications are that he likes Mitch. I think that's real. I think he actually really does like Mitch. And the, and this dovetails with the one, you know, and I tweeted it out the day of the trade deadline, and I want to just reaffirm it. Um, they were, like, hanging on to Mitchell Robinson, from my understanding, was a priority in this deadline. I, I can't say this for sure or not, but I had one person who I, I do trust tell me that the there was um there was an offer or, or discussions with with New Orleans would have like they wanted Mitch mm-hmm. and that was never going to happen. So if I'm looking at it I'm like okay well if, if the organization prioritizes Mitchell Robinson that much it's for one of two reasons. One, 
either they really like him and they see him as a foundational piece or B I, I, just, I said one and then B that's just awful job by me um, or two <laughs> um, that they think that they could get better use of Mitchell Robinson as a trade asset down the line. Either way, if, if I'm a, like me sitting here with the drum and stuff, my biggest concern is like, you're going to upset the apple cart. You're going to piss off Mitch. You're going to like all that stuff. It sounds like they really do value Robinson. So mm-hmm. that's encouraging. And that's like the one thing I, I, I'm, I'm taking away from this more than I still trust this front office to make the right moves. So yeah, that's really all. And then yeah, we could we could get some other stuff. But no, I don't think I don't think Tibbs is pissed off after this deadline. I don't think there was a move to be made that was smart. So well, so yeah. uh, just one quick re- reaction to what you just said. So, what is New Orleans doing if they wanted Mitchell Robinson? I don't like. What are they know. doing? You just like they have Stephen Adams who already clogs where Zion dominates, and now they're going after another. Center, like, what are they doing? Um, and that's just a, they an Jackson Hayes too. Yeah, so I, I, I okay, whatever. Um, I, th- I, think, okay. I think, I think it means that they don't believe in Jackson Hayes. Would be my guess. How about you believe in Zion Williamson? Uh, I guess I, you can put Zion next to Mitch the same way Randall is next to Mitch. I just Zion is a, a stretch five in his future. Maybe not defensively. That is going to create some problems. Um, Because I don't think he's going to be that great a defender. But all right, this isn't a Pelicans pod. Um, Just to answer a question in the chat, any question you have, click request to speak, and we'll try and get you up here. So let's uh, get things started. We're going to bring up, as soon as it shows up again, um, Danny B. Uh, I just invited him. I guess his okay. speaker request requ- his uh, request to speak. Couple couple shout outs, Cedric. Uh, what's going on, my man? Uh, who else is in here that I know? Ashwin, what's going on? Joseph, what's going on? It's any topics you want to talk about, just for everybody. I, we could talk about Johnny Bryant sticking around. We could talk about uh, you know trade deadline. We could talk about I don't care. You can look ahead to free agency. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, shout out to Chad, Joshua, everybody in here, Louis. Can we can we just cut Peyton? Uh, I don't think they're going to cut Alfred Peyton. I think um, I think you know. I, I, let me as we're waiting for um, as we're waiting for yeah, go ahead speaker to come up on the stage. I think just in case there was any misgivings about Alfred Peyton's value around the league, all you have to do is look at the fact that like there were con- there were contenders that needed ball handlers, and Philadelphia went and got themselves George Hill, L.A went and gave up two second-round picks and Lou Williams, who, granted, maybe they weren't planning on playing in the playoffs anyway, but, like, they gave up a lot to get Ray John Rondo, and the cheese stands alone here in New York, and nobody wanted Alfred Payton. And it's just... But they're not going to waste it. That's one thing that they're not going to do. Um, I guess I'll just sorry, I'll take some questions from the chat. Yeah, um, go from the chat. No one's coming up. I can't. I don't know what happened to Danny. So we got uh, Abe Prado. Uh, what do you think Rose promised Johnny for him to stay, Mac? I mean, look, I don't have any inform- any inside information on this other than that I think Johnny Bryant I, – I, I, Andrew, you could remind me if I reported or intimated this during the summertime. Um, it, I believe it was reported elsewhere. I think Steph Bondi actually had this, and I've, I've been told this is accurate. Johnny Bryant was World Wide West. Like – that's worldwide West was like, we got to get Johnny Bryant on the staff and Tim's was cool with it. It was, it was like a collaborative discussion from what I understand, but like West pushed for Johnny Bryant. And if you, and then what did they do with Johnny Bryant? Once they got here, they gave him the highest title that you could give uh, an assistant coach. They gave him the associate head coach title. So if you believe that West has as much pull in this organization as everybody seems to say that he does. Um, Do I think there's a possibility they told Johnny Bryant that he's going to be the next coach of the head coach of the New York Knicks once Tibbs goes on his merry way? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I I thought it was also interesting that the report yesterday was that he pulled himself out of the running. So I, I, you know, put put two and two together. That's all I'm going to say there. Uh, But, um, but I think it's a, 
I think it's a huge uh, and, and really important thing that he's sticking around uh, more so than Kenny Payne even, which it's close. But I, for me personally, reading like, especially if you want to go back and you read the articles over the summer about um, the close relationship Brian had with Donovan Mitchell, with Dame Lillard, like this is a dude I think players are really going to want to come and play for at some point when he's a head coach, which I have a feeling it's going to be here someday. So as the theme of this week, I think we're having some technical difficulties. I'm going to make you the host and see if you can bring people up. Okay. Cause the, cool. the chat hasn't refreshed for me for like five minutes. So let's okay. see what happens. Uh, cool. I can, uh, I can, you are now the host, John. Am I the host? I just clicked make host. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Well, um, is I that not showing up? No, it isn't. But hold on, let me uh, <laughs> let me see what I could do. We're we're just we're flying, we're we're flying high here. Um, oh wait, let me try to uh, let me try to bring up let me try to bring up somebody and see if it works. Sorry, guys. We're uh, um, how do I? Oh, okay. Um, now it doesn't show me as the host. So for the time being, um, I will I'll just answer questions from from the chat. Um. Well, we try to get this worked out. So do, 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 we had another one. Um, oh, yeah, here we go. So Apollo Reed asks, am I wrong for believing that if we bring in Drummond, we're almost guaranteeing we're not keeping Mitch long term? Um, I personally don't think that that's the case. I here's here's my view on Drummond. Um, if Drummond is brought here, which I am dubious that he is going to be. I think there's a little bit more smoke there than there's fire. But if Drummond is actually brought here, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily to take Mitchell Robinson's starting job. Um, because I think they're going to bring him here as kind of like a value play. Um, bring him here on a contract that they think is a good contract, the contract that's easily movable a contract that they feel like is going to be a benefit for them more than him. Um, like if there was an article that uh, I think it was Joe Varden, Joe Varden, who is as plugged in in Cleveland as anyone. Um, he's the beat reporter for the athletic for the Cavs. And he wrote about how um, when, you know, Brock Aller, when he was there, he was constantly looking for ways to take advantage of situations like, before a market developed, for instance, for a certain player. And I think that's what they're trying to do right now with Drummond, which is basically get him on a deal that's ch- far cheaper than he would command as a free agent. So I, and if you consider the fact that they can keep Mitchell Robinson on a, his rookie deal next season, which I don't think is off the table, this, to me, bringing in Drummond at a number of like, 12 13 million dollars a year which is more than i'd want to pay him but you could argue is still like below market value if he's the best version of himself i think that checks some different boxes um and i think that's what they're thinking i don't know that i agree with it though um so that that's what i would say as far as as far as drumming goes um any any more luck with you uh andrew and being able to call people up not even a little bit keep taking questions I'll keep taking questions from the chat. I keep refreshing, by the way. Nothing's coming up. We're going to get this right one of these days. Um, I blame Alfred. So, as as we do with everything, um, some Luis Diaz says I think Kenny Payne is the future head coach of this team. I don't see Kenny Payne as a future head coach in the pros. I see him as a future head coach in college, and I think the fact that um, the DePaul job is still open, um, and he hasn't been taken out of that, is a sign that like. They're gonna. They're. They're not. It's. I, I think Johnny Bryan is a priority for them to keep around. I. I think they'd love to keep Penny Kane around, but I would not be surprised if he ended up with that DePaul job. I don't think he's made any any any, you know, effort to hide the fact that he wants a college head coaching job at, at some point. Um. So Dan Dan's question was going to be, um, I'm sure you've heard the reports about Drummond Drummond coming in to back up Randall and run with the second unit. How do you see that working? Devil's advocate a bit. So 
Andrew, should I do the devil's advocate? Here's why Andre Drummond is actually a sneaky good idea. Is it time for that? If you can make the case, I'd love I can make the case. I just don't know that I want to because I feel like it's <sighs> here's the thing. At some point you you are what your numbers say you are, and we can cherry pick numbers from Andre Drummond over the last several years if we want to and use those as evidence of why he's actually really good. For instance, um, the last uh, one, two, three, four seasons combined, Andre Drummond around the rim in the restricted area has, well, I'll just go season by season. He shot 60. Oh, here we go. He shot 66% around the rim over those four seasons combined, not counting this season. So 68%, 65%, 60, close to 65%. And then last season, um, 66%. So that's really good. That's like really, really solid. Um, we know that he can make plays in the short roll. We know that he has a pretty decent passing touch. Um, we know, obviously, he is the best rebounder in the game today. We know all these things about him. We know he can defend. Um, you know, he's not, a, I wouldn't call him a switch guy. But if he's out on an island, it's you're not you're not dead. Um, you know, uh, I would, would do I think he's a better or worse switch guy than, than Mitchell Robinson? I don't know. I think it's six of one half dozen the other. But like, th- so that's all best case scenario. Over the last year, though, he is a guy that has shot like 40, uh, 54 percent around the rim, which is really tough to do. He's a guy that's turning the ball over a lot. Um, he's a guy that like wastes possessions on post-ups. He's a guy that tries to bring the ball up. He's a guy that's been a bit, uh, not a curmudgeon in the locker room, but like not what you want. Uh, so where's the guarantee? Because here's, here's my issue. If, if you bring him here, the only, and now the way you're getting him is you're signing him to a multi-year contract as opposed to the Lakers or the Nets or whoever, that they're just going to give him the rest of this year. That's the carrot that the Knicks have. The carrot the Knicks have is to sign him to multiple years right now. So you don't get the benefit of bringing him here for 35 games and being like, okay, we're going to see how well you play nicely with others. And then if we feel that we like what we see, we'll go ahead and we'll sign you to a long-term contract. The only way you're getting him right now is to sign him to that two or three-year deal for like beyond this season. That's, that's where I'm trepidating. If we had like a grace period where we could just see how he played and how he fit in with this group, I'd be so much more for the drumming room uh, rumors, but that's where, that's where my biggest issue lies. So um, who's he taking playing? That's the other part is like, you know, everybody on this team seems to get along really well. He's not a four just so let's make that clear. There's no world where like Andre Dr- like I know I know in Cleveland they ran lineups out there with like him and Jared Allen and like him and Javale McGee like that's craziness don't you don't let's we're not no let's that, no They're, like he's a center Nerlens Noel is a center Mitchell Robinson's a center these are all centers um, I like you want to tell me there's like ten backup minutes per game where he could play alongside Nerlens Noel. Uh, I know. Is that something you want to see, Andrew? Does anyone want to see that? I don't of course that. not. I also just don't think you pay a guy what's probably going to be what you have to pay him to play 10 backup minutes. Well, yeah, but again, it's so th- that's the question, though, for the rest of this season. Like moving forward, obviously, if you sign him to a three or four year deal, you're, that's, you know, you're, you're kissing Nolan's the well goodbye, which is like, how does no Harlan's how does Nerlens Noel feel about that for the rest of the season? Would you then buy Nerlens Noel out so he could go ahead and sign with a contender and set him free? Are they going to do right by a Kentucky guy? Um, so I want to get to James's um, comment and then we'll hit some other questions real quick. So James says, I think the market didn't help what the Knicks wanted to do. It's a lot harder to be a middleman when there's not too many bad contracts out there. You're 100 percent right, James. We're not the Bulls worried if Levine's going to have to leave us, so we have to trade for Booch. 100% yes. We're not beating Brooklyn or Philly in a playoff series, 
So I like the patience. I completely agree. Um, and I think it's amazing, right? You look at it and there's what, what, how many games are separating the Knicks and the, the Bulls going into the trade deadline? Uh, um, let me ask. Let me look. Two and a half. They're literally a two and a half game difference between these these two. Well, if you want to say go before the, the, the game that they played the other night, there was like a one and a half game difference. Because mm-hmm. I think they were, yeah, like three games in the loss column. But that difference combined with the preseason expectations for both teams, whereas the Bulls were like, okay, they're a, they might be a feisty playing team, whereas the Knicks, obviously, everybody picked the finish last. The Knicks are where they are. The Bulls were there where they are. They absolutely felt the pressure. And I, I said it with Jeremy the other day. I'm like, if the, if the Knicks made that Vucevic trade, I would be apoplectic right now. You know, and that's not the downplay that Vuce is a good player, but like that's, you know, I, so I completely agree with that. There aren't a lot of terrible contracts out there. And in fact, the, oh, this, this um, is something else that, again, heard, heard around the, the wayside. Um, the, the Bledsoe thing, you could argue that the Bledsoe contract was the one bad contract, right? Yeah. It doesn't seem like it was just like, take on Bledsoe and we'll give you a first round pick. It, I think it was more like, take on Bledsoe give us some good stuff, like a good, uh, an interesting young player. And then we'll give you a first round pick. And the other part of that is what first round pick? Because you got to remember the Pelicans have all these Laker first round picks. Like, I'm not sure I would be so gung ho about giving up Kevin Knox to take on Eric Bledsoe. And all I'm getting is like, I don't know. What's the first Laker pick that they have? Like the 2022 Laker first rounder. So I think yeah, the next year's the first one. Yeah. Yeah, great. So, well, there's a pick swap too, John. We can swap with the Lakers if we want. I just, I don't know. For, for like a, yeah, exactly. So like a middling, a middling first round pick that's really not going to move the needle, especially when we have all these seconds. Like the Detroit second is going to be good. There's other seconds down the line that are going to be good. I'm not, yeah, but it's a great point uh, by James. Um, Dwight Richardson asked, should we expect to see Terrence Ferguson play? Are we retaining him? Is he a buyout candidate? He's a young perimeter defender that can shoot it. I have no idea what to make of Terrence Ferguson because he hasn't played essentially in two years. Um, I, I'm sure they'll give him a look um, to see what's up. Um, but I, yeah, I, I would. It wouldn't surprise me. But would I expect it? No, I wouldn't expect it. Um, also, Ron Hunter had asked um, the second unit is going to push the pace if Rose and Quickly are both. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Out there, Drummond makes um, more sense for a slower pace. You know, that's not a, that's not a bad point. However, if, if somebody else typed in the chat earlier... If I have to watch Andre Drummond and Alfred Payton on the on the court together at the same time, um, I don't know what exactly they said, um, but it was not kind. Um, I think I think that would like you want to talk about a way to send Nick fans over the edge and like the feel good season of feel good seasons. It would be that. Like, what else could they do to like instill pain in all of us other than running Payton and Drummond out there together? I think that might be the worst thing they could do. I know I don't have it in me um, to deal with that. John, you take it away the rest of the way, though, okay? That's fine. Okay, so um, do, do, do. I'm going through here. Okay, so Joseph, he's a uh, shout-out to Joseph. He's always on the halftime Zooms, too. He's the man. Uh, so his question is, I hate to look past this season because it's been fantastic. Most fun I've had as a Knicks fan. 
but the elf in the <laughs> the elf in the room has me constantly thinking about point guards. Um, is Dennis Schroeder the best point guard um, available in free agency? Seems like a great fit. Would you like him on this team? How much would you pay him? So I've been thinking about Dennis Schroeder because I'm actually this weekend spending some time preparing because we can never we can never stay on one thing too long, right? It's always looking ahead to the next thing, and I'm already looking ahead to free agency now. Um, yes, Dennis Schroeder is is the best unrestricted free agent point guard that is available. Um, do I like his fit on this team? Here's the here's the nice thing, right? As we've watched Alfred Payton um, beat us all into submission this year, the one thing, and I, I meant to include a clip of this, in a, maybe I'll do it this week in the newsletter, they, his spacing actually is not the thing that's killing them. It's more the fact that he doesn't make the proper decision when, he gets, when you get to the rim, and he doesn't make... Um, obvious uh obvious passes he makes the he makes the the poor rim read when he gets to the rim so and he's a bad defender um despite what oh yeah here we go um we got we just sorry we got a somebody was saying in the chat that uh stefan bondi reported that uh pain is still in the mix and um do 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 yeah here we go kenny Payne interviewed for the job last night um I would not. I really would not be surprised if he got this job, which is just is great for him, wonderful for him, but it's really disappointing for the Knicks. I hope we keep him too. Anyway, um, that's the most of the reason why Alfred Payton is bad. As far as Schroeder, like so, Dennis Schroeder this year from three is thirty one percent on three attempts a game. He was thirty eight percent on five attempts a game last year. He was thirty four percent on four point six attempts per game the year before that. So where does his true three-point percentage lie? It's probably his career number, which his career number at this point is 33%. That's probably what Dennis Schroeder is as a three-point three shooter. He's at he's a 33%. He'll make one out of every three. Um, you know, effective field goal percentage, he's down this year also. He just hasn't had a great shooting year. He's also not like a real true point guard. Um, he's playing 31 minutes a night, and he's averaging uh, five assists a game. You know, so that's like six per 36. That's also kind of about where Alfred Payton is at. All that being said, what are you bringing Dennis Schroeder here to do? You're bringing him here to essentially be a better version of Alfred Payton. Um, would you like to have a true point guard? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, like he's so Dennis Schroeder, the one thing he has been good at for two years straight now is, again, shooting at the rim, which is the thing that Alfred Payton has struggled with. Schroeder last year was 64% at the rim. This year, he's 60% at the rim. Um, you know, still takes a few too many long twos. He's better. He's absolutely better. Am I paying him three years, 50 plus million dollars? Um, I don't know about that. Um, so that's why he's probably a little bit lower on my free agent list. Because what's the worst thing you could do, right? The worst thing you could do is pay a guy and is overpay a guy because he happens to be the best, the best person on the market at the position that you really need. I would rather, oh God, what would I rather do? I don't know, Andrew, can you pop back in? I like, give me some other, that's the thing that's tough, right? It's like, yes, Lonzo Ball is the obvious option, but is, is Lonzo a real possibility? Like how much is it going to cost to get Lonzo? I don't know. Like there's, I would honestly, I would rather overpay Lowry for two years if that's a possibility. Um, and can, I think, can I throw something at you? Cause please. I was thinking about this yesterday. So I, I go back to the eight months that the Knicks didn't play a game and how often we talked about Chris Paul. Now yeah. that opt in is ridiculous. $44 million. Now, I go back to Horford where he opted out of 31 because he knew he had 110. I don't want the Knicks to do this, but let's just hypothetically, because we know the connection with Chris Paul and Leon. If Leon's like three for 90, I'm not even saying I would do this, but if Leon's like, you have more guaranteed money. I can't do it. 
I could so do- I'm not even saying what I would do. I'm saying could the, like is that an option that he opts out with the Suns? The whole reason he didn't want to push for a trade to the Knicks was because he wanted a crowd or something. Even though I don't think he actually ever wanted to come here. But if that is real, is Chris Paul a realistic scenario? I don't think you could rule anything out. Um, no, I don't think. Because I keep going back out. to what's the Knicks record this year? Chris Paul is in Alfred Payton's spot. And then the you fourth, have if those the two picks, best, yeah, go ahead. The fourth best team into the fourth best team in the East, and they're probably closer to Milwaukee than they are to whoever's in fifth. I agree, and that like that defense is even better because, and like as much as we value picks, like Schwinn makes this point all the time that saying you have two first round picks is as value is like really valuable until those picks have players <laughs> attached to them. So if the Knicks end up with two firsts, but they end up being 17 and 23, and it's like late firsts that end up being like rotation players or role guys, then would you, I'd rather have Chris Paul. So, I mean, that's just more hindsight than anything else. I just, I keep going back to whether or not Chris Paul is an option for this summer. Cause I think we all ruled him out because of their success in Phoenix, but I don't know if, I don't know. Uh, maybe that is on the table. We, you want to do how much for Lowry? Two for forty? Two for fifty? Two for fifty? I would. I'll say this. I would rather. I would probably rather pay Chris Paul three for. I think. I think the Chris Paul number is like three for seventy. I think that's what you do with a with a partial guarantee on the third year. You know, a, a decline on a declining number. So front load the first year and then decline it by as much as possible the following the following two years. So you go from maybe like 27 to 24 to 22 mm-hmm. um, or like 26 to 23 to 21, something like that um, with maybe the third, the third year is like partial, partial guarantee for like five or $6 million. Which then um, guarantees an additional, like he gets to go to the East. He gets to, Go play with Leon. There's the 2010 connection where he wanted to go to the Knicks in the first place. If they didn't, yeah. if they didn't uh, use the amnesty on on Billups, you know. Yeah. So I want to get to. So Joshua took the time to write a long thing in the chat. So I want to. I got because it, I think it's very interesting. Um, I, uh, so very very quickly, uh, Omar also you, Omar Youssef said um, the front office made a, a miscalculation in um, in. Uh, that they could sit on the cap space for something to open up should have been more aggressive in getting talent. Here's the thing. It's like we're talking about now. We're talking about in free agency. Where was the aggressive move? I'm not sure where that move was, unless you'd say they should have went and gotten and paid Hayward, which I, I, I love Hayward. I'm not sure. I'm kind of, there's a part of me that's happy that they, they don't have that contract for as good as he's been. Um, so, uh, oh, and uh, Max Cyril, what do you think it'll take to get Lonzo this summer? Um, I think it, it's going to take four for 80 is what I think it's going to take unless you work out a sign and trade and then maybe you get him for like four for 64, but somewhere in that vicinity, 16 to 18, I think is his, his range. And he is at the top of my free agency wish list at this point. Okay. Joshua Richards. There's a certain player on a certain underperforming team. That is a very intriguing prospect for the Knicks. This player has Kentucky times can ties and is on an asinine contract with a penny pinching owner and a franchise that wants to turn a new, a new leaf. This player had a horrible fourth quarter last night, and I loved it. It was a buyout. There were buyout pleads and watch players slander flying all over around the timeline last night. That was quite delightful. With $14 million in cap space remaining, a buyout can be agreed to that can ensure that this player can retain all of their earnings and allow this team to save money this season and even have the flexibility to have $40 million in free agency this summer to have a full-on reset. Can you name the player? I'm not going to lie. I saw it in the chat. Um, it's, it's John wall. So, um, as I pull up John wall's stats, Andrew, what is the first thing that, what is literally the first thing that pops into your mind when you hear the name John wall? Well, the actual first thing is that dance when he was uh, like that's in his first or second year. Um, as far as basketball goes, um, a guard post Achilles injury that I'm happy to see is actually healthy and somewhat productive, but I don't mm. think, but for like not like he he can yeah. play games. He can play minutes, is what I'm saying. I'm so, not saying I would yeah. not want John Wall. My first thought is no. I'm just very happy that he's not like 
playing 20 minutes and then pulls up lame and then out for 20 games. So like, I, I'm just happy that he's able to have a career after that. Yes. So here's the thing um, about, about John. Um, oh, and a few people were responding uh, to what else were they going to do this summer um, and said overpay Fred Van Vliet. Um, I think they were prepared to overpay Fred Van Fleet. And I don't think, and I said this at the time and I've insinuated it. Thank you, Josh, uh, Joseph, for that. Um, I don't think Fred Van Fleet wanted to come here at all. Um, I think maybe if you gave a max, literally a max contract to Fred Van Fleet, maybe he would have come here. But do is, do we really want to be in the business of paying Fred Van Fleet $30 million a year? Um, that to me would have been a rush. Like I would rather the cap space go to waste than, than pay Fred Van Fleet that kind of contract. And I really like Fred Van Fleet. So I just want to uh, say that. So the John Wall discussion, um, first and foremost, here's the issue with John Wall. He doesn't have one year left on his deal. He has two years left on his deal. So he has um, 100, 100, not counting the rest of this year, not counting the rest of this year. He has a, he has 100 and Two million dollars. Wait, no. Am I bad at math? Never mind. I'm bad at math. He has ninety-two million dollars, but a hundred million dollars if you count this year. If you if you um if you count the rest of that's owed to him. So as of right now, I think the record for most amount of money that a player has given back in a buyout is. I want to say it was like 15 million. Um, and I want to say it was like, was it like Josh Smith or, or Larry Sanders on the bucks? It was like, it was so, someone from, from years back, but like, you're like, what are you getting John wall to give back? Are you getting John wall to give back $50 million? <laughs> it's like, you're just, you're just, it's not like you're, they're not going to do that. Um, if he had one year left on his deal, I would say maybe it's a possibility, um, but not two years. So they're not going to buy out John Wall. Um, I know there was that report on the Internet, which was like the, the Rockets are not buying out John Wall, to which my response was like, no shit. Um, a couple other things on John Wall, just so you're not too disappointed. Um, his last fully healthy season. He was really good. He was 64 percent around the rim. Um then 2018-19, he was 62% around the rim. This year, he's shooting 56% at the rim. That is the same as Alfred Payton. Um, he also gets to the rim less than Alfred Payton. And he is um, dishing it 6.6 times in 32 minutes a game, which you want to talk about his career high. This is a man that averaged over 10 assists for three straight years in the middle of his career. And actually kind of four because he was 9.6 the year after that. Those were his his last four All Star seasons. He's only dishing it six six point six times per game this year in thirty two minutes of action. Um, here's what I could sum up John Wall in. I was watching the end of the game they played against the Thunder a week ago, and the last possession of the game, um, he had the ball at the top of the arc. I forget who he had on him, but instead of trying to get to the rim, which is like literally the thing that John Wall would do better than anyone for several years. He took a pull up off the dribble, 28 footer that just absolutely bricked. It was not close. And, and uh, the, the Rockets lost the game and like, you don't want John Wall. Like I know we're desperate here. You don't want John. Wall. Um, was that a, was that a sufficient discussion of John Wall, Andrew? Or do I need? To- I I co-signed. Do you want to know who the biggest buyout ever was? Who, please? Um, the record. Well, first of all, I have the top five biggest buyouts ever, um, which was an article inspired by SportsKita dot com after the Blake Griffin buyout. So number five oh, okay. is Duran Williams, um, sixteen million. When he got bought out by oh, Dallas. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Number okay. four is Sean Kemp, um, okay. $18.7 million. Number three is Derek Fisher, who was bought out in 2007 of his 20.6. That was different because he had a six. His daughter, yeah. Yeah, his daughter, yeah. 
Um, Larry Sanders, you're right. Twenty one point nine million is number two, which I it's just hitting me that Larry Sanders made twenty one point nine million. They gave him his a four-year, $40 million contract, and then he decided he didn't want to play basketball anymore. Oh, wait a minute. Is the top one Bison Dele? Correct. $31.7 million bought okay. out Bison so, Dele. Guess what? John Wall is not giving up $31.7 million. John Wall isn't giving up $3.7 million. John Wall is taking every red, red cent that's coming to him. I'm so, sorry, guys. but As far as the John Wall buyout, if I can, with baseball just five days away, um, a John Wall buyout – Sounds a lot like what the Mets had to do with David Wright or what the Yankees had to do with A-Rod, where the number's astronomical and we just like don't see a point in paying you for the next two seasons. And that just doesn't happen in the NBA. Like yeah. Your contract ends up having value because it can match up with somebody else, like yeah, what the Rockets did with John with uh, Westbrook exactly. to trade for a while. So a couple other things, really good stuff in the chat. I'm gonna try to. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, rapid fire for for some of this stuff. Um, Rafa Santos is uh, a question for Zach Lowe. Is uh, is Terrence Davis better than uh, R.J. Barrett? I, I love me some Zach Lowe, but um, and listen, in fairness, in fairness, and I will always go back to this, and people are just gonna kill me about this at the end of time. R.J. Barrett wasn't good last year. He had a rough rookie year. I still think he should have been named to the old rookie team because to just go out there for 30 minutes a night and put up numbers, even if they're not efficient numbers, I believe is a lot harder to do than be efficient in a really nice role on a really good team. Um, you know, but the, 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 where I draw the line is like to, to go and say like RJ was good as a rookie. He wasn't good. He was put in an impossible situation and he struggled. Um, should he have been named to the old rookie team? Yes, he should have. And it's going to look ridiculous in hindsight. Um, so yeah, just wanted to, to honor that. Um, Eshwin, this is a complete fantasy, but if the Clippers are a second round exit again, do you think Kawhi leaves and West convinces him to come to New York? It's the, it's the biggest elephant in the room in the NBA this season. The Kawhi Thank you, Eshwin. Thing. Yes. Talk about it, John. No, but here's the thing. I don't want to talk about it. You know why? Because I spent a fucking year of my life talking about that fucking asshole who's in Brooklyn now. <laughs> Which what, what, I, you mean both fucking assholes that are in Brooklyn right well, now? One asshole in particular. I don't give a shit about the other one. He can go and smoke peyote and um, do whatever it is he does with his time. Uh, have have you know? Uh, I mean, he, he had a child recently, so good for him. Congratulations, Congrats. Mazel tov. Nut job. Um, Stupid uh, chat yes. for Kyrie Irving. Yeah, great job. Um, anyway. Listen, I, I just uh, was the man who produced the kid. It ain't that hard. I'm not giving him credit for that. Anyway, um, no, the other the other asshole. I spent a year of my life talking about him, and I, I will never get that year back. So am I going to sit here and am I going to give extended thought to, to you-know-who with the Clippers? No. But is it a possibility? Anyone who says it's not a possibility is, is lying. Because where is he going if to – if things go to shit there, and he's looking around, and he's like, "Wait a minute! I'm on a team with no draft picks, no young players, um, a a co-star who is on an immovable contract that shits the bed in the playoffs. I have no point guard. Um, I, there's nothing for me here. Is he just going to sit around and like wait for what? Like he's not. So then the question becomes: Okay, is he going to go to Miami or is he going to come to New York? And I'm I'm sorry, but I don't see Kawhi following in LeBron's footsteps to the Heat. So, yes, if things go to shit for the Clippers, do I think it's a possibility? Absolutely. Are you going to hear me talk about it over the next four months? No. I'll talk about it if the Clippers get wiped at the second round of the playoffs. But other than that. Um, and that's, that's the conversation, though, is that I think you got to give Knicks fans a little more credit that we are still a little – scarred by those six it's months leading up scarred. to it it's like just like we like why why do we want to do that like why like what's the point you know oh no i'm not even saying it should be like a constant maybe it can get Kawhi. maybe they can get Kawhi. because like you and i are old enough to remember maybe they can get lebron maybe they can get lebron and then summer 2010 happening i just think i'm old the, enough to remember the, maybe we get dominique wilkins that's how oh, old i am uh-huh Oh wow, you are old. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so you you remember maybe they can get MJ 
when the whole 98 stuff was happening. I okay. will never forget that Sports Illustrated cover. My or point was it is... Slam, slam, slam cover. It was Slam. My point is, I think Knicks fans are rational enough to see that it's it's a long shot. It's like a 2% possibility right now. It's like, bigger than that. It's bigger well, than that. Because what's, what's... Hold on. What's the possibility... Now you're getting me to talk about oh, this, wow. which is exactly okay. what I didn't want to do. What is the possibility the Clippers lose in the second round of the playoffs? Right now, there's a situation shaping up where, sorry, uh, everybody, the Mavs and Luka are raring to go. And if you're telling me that the Mavs don't have what it takes to beat the Clippers in, in the playoffs, I think you're nuts. I think they do. Um, I hope they lose the rest of their games and we get their lottery pick and it's the sixth pick in the draft. But I think that that's a possibility. The Lakers are looming and the Lakers are going to be like a six seed or a seven seed or whatever. So they could play the Clippers in the first round. Um, the Denver Nuggets now with Aaron Gordon, you don't think that that team could beat the Clippers again? So that's three teams right there. And I haven't even mentioned the Jazz or the Suns for that matter. Who mm. like, what did you, so th- like there are, I think two teams with an absolutely very real chance of beating the Clippers in the playoffs and three other teams, Mavs, Jazz, Suns with like a shot. So what are the chances the Clippers don't make it to the conference finals? I think it's like, 40% chance they don't make it to the conference finals? 35? 30, 45? So then if that happens, then it's like, okay, what are the chances he leaves if that happens? Then to me, it's like 50-50. And then it's like Miami and New York. And then it's back to 50-50. So if we go, let's go 40, half of 40. So let's give it a 10% chance. Point is, it's still a 10% chance. I agree with everything you just said. I think Knicks fans are very focused on this current team, though. And I we're not going through another what could happen in four months. But the fact that there's a culture here now, there's a, a backbone that's built on defense, I think... I think Nick Sands, I think there there is now a draw for Kawhi if he wanted to come here. All right, go yeah. back to the chat for the last 10 minutes. Okay, yes. Again, I was trying to do rapid fire, and I, I derailed myself. Um, do we, Tom Friesen, do we end up re-signing Reggie or find a free agent draft replacement? Um, to me, with Reggie and to a certain extent Alec Burks, but I think Burks is more important, I think it's going to come down to the market. If you're telling me Reggie Bullock wants to come here and stay here for another two years and, you know, $10 million, I would love nothing more than to be in the Reggie Bullock business for that for that price tag. Um, two, 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 Boston Nick, what's going on, my man? Um, would you be opposed to? Um, I'm hearing Teague will be waived, buying out Peyton, and possibly signing Teague. Um, Teague's been really bad for most of this year. I feel like he's been a little bit better of late, and I'm going to pull up his stats right now. I just don't think they're going to upset the apple cart for what would be at most a marginal improvement like T doesn't shoot threes anymore. He's good from three. He doesn't shoot them. Um, he does like he's averaging two assists in 18 minutes a game. Um, he's just the idea of Jeff Teague is a lot better than what Jeff Teague has actually been this year. He's really, he really has not, has not been very good. That said over his last 11 games, he is shooting 62% from the field. So he has picked it up. Um, would I be opposed to it? No. Do I think they're going to do that? No. Um, Luis Diaz, is there any player in this year's draft that you'd like uh, to be there with the Knicks draft other than the obvious lottery guys? The Knicks won't be in the lottery. Well, don't say that because if the Knicks make the play-in or even if they get seventh or eighth and they don't make the eventual 18 playoff field, they will still be in the lottery. But the odds will be very low. They'll probably end up with you know, the 11th or 12th or, or 13th pick. Um is there anyone I really like in that range? Um, Spencer Perlman, who I trust with my basketball life, uh, is convinced that Trey Mann is the sixth best player in this draft or the sixth best prospect in this draft. Um, so I'm I'm down for that. I think it's a little bit of lunacy that Zaire Williams has dropped as far as he has in the eyes of a lot of draft Knicks. That dude just looks the part, and I know he hasn't shot it for shit this year, but I'm I'm still pretty high on on Zaire Williams. I think if you just go ahead and do the easy thing and, and draft Corey Kispert or Moses Moody, you, you can't go wrong. And the other name, uh, I mean, I like the Butler kid. Both of the Butler kids, actually. They're both good. Like, there's a lot of options. There's going to be a lot of players there for the Knicks. Like, this is a draft that you're going to be able to get a good two good players 
if you keep both of those picks. And if you want it to be two players who can contribute right away, I think you're going to be able to, to get that. Um, moving right along. John Wall, Brickhouse. Um, Ron Hunter has a fantasy basketball question. Um, I was trying to join, but they're, oh, the fantasy basketball. Yeah, my, my team's doing really shitty. Thank you for asking about that. My team is very bad. Um, if I have time at the end, I'll tell you who's on my, my fantasy basketball roster. It's it's not good. Um, Nico Wancho asks a good question. Does the bidding war for Lonzo make him end up with a larger deal than Fred Van Fleet? I think the ceiling for a contract for Lonzo is do I think there's a possibility Lonzo gets over $22 million a year, $22 million a year. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I think it's, it's, it's I, I don't think it's likely. I think it's possible. Um, what else? Uh, what's your opinion on Jalen Johnson from Duke? Uh, question from Matthew Charles. I don't really care that he left the team. I care the fact that every time I watch Jalen Johnson, um, I came away wholly not impressed. Um, Jalen Johnson this year for Duke had precisely two really good games. He had the first game of the season against the immortal Coppin State when he was 8 for 8 from the field. Um, and he had one other really nice game against Pitt. Other than that, like Jalen Johnson was bad, and I watched a handful of Duke games. I never came away impressed by him. He's probably going to go in the top 10. He's not a guy that I would entertain trading up for. He's not a guy I really want. Um, Cedric Shine, <laughs> Chad Cohen, as a Duke fan, fuck Jalen Johnson, LOL. Uh, Sorry, not safe for work alert. Um, what else have we got? Yeah, and I, and I also don't think uh, he, he makes sense given the Knicks roster. Cedric Shine, um, what's the plan for these three picks? Uh, by the way, thank you, Cedric, for putting the initial uh, Kenny Payne report in the in the chat and alerting us to that. Um, what's the plan for these three picks? It feels like the placement could be the three picks the Celtics had last year. Um, I disagree with that. I actually think the, the Mavs pick is going to be 20. Because if you let's, can we take a second to look at the standings right now? So, um, I know we only have five minutes left. The Sixers, Bucks, Nets, Jazz, Suns, Clippers, and Nuggets. Those, so those are seven teams are all going to finish with better record than the Mavs. So the Ma- the best or the worst, I guess, from our perspective, that the Mavs pick is going to be will be the twenty. What's 30 minus 7? 23. Will be the 23rd pick in the draft. I think it's likely that LeBron comes back sooner than later. I think it's likely that the Ma- that the Blazers continue to make a push. And I think it's possible that there's an Eastern team who makes a little bit of a push. And in that case, the Mavs pick would be 20. So let's say the picks end up 14, 20, and 32. I do not think the plan is to draft three players and roster them and have them be like a part of the rotation next year. Um, Especially, you know, they also have that extra second now from Philly. Um, I think they're going to try to make a trade. I think they're going to try to probably make a trade up. I don't know if it's going to be a three for one, but I think they'll probably make a trade up. If you're looking at the draft and you're looking at like the possibility of where a trade up might lie, like, if you look at the Thunder right now, the Thunder have so many draft picks coming up in the upcoming years. There's a decent possibility they end up with the Rockets pick. And if they, let's assume the Thunder finish with like seven, eight, nine, ten in that range. Uh, is I don't know. Is there a possibility the Thunder want to just get more bites at the apple um, and go and do a three for one? Um, oh, the Magic waved Jeff Teague. Breaking news here. Anybody want any any Jeff Teague stands in the house? Um, you know the yeah. Spider Man meme, right? Yeah, I know. That's that's Alfred Payton and Jeff. Um, so uh, Nico Wancho asked about uh, drafting stash. 
Josh Giddy and Moave King. Uh, Josh Giddy right now is an interesting name because he's a point guard too. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't honestly speculating on the draft at this point is like, but if you're looking for evidence, look no further than the guy running the draft room because Walt Perrin did a trade up for, um, did a trade up for Darren Williams. Speaking of large buyouts, he also did a trade up for Donovan Mitchell. So if there's a guy, if there's a guy that Walt Perrin feels like we got to go get this dude, they're going to make a trade up and they had the assets to do it. But if I, if you're asking me like, what's the plan right now, that's the plan. I think that's the plan. Um, let's take one more from Omar Youssef. Should the Knicks look to move OB sooner rather than later? Um, reason being like, we all know what the reason is. It's hard to see the path where he can get minutes and opportunity. How much better can his trade value get? If it's only 10 to 12 minutes a game from here, better to admit a mistake early on than sit on it. Completely agree. It is better to admit a mistake early. I just, we keep hearing he looks good in practice. Looks good. Bright. Now, granted, uh, who's old enough to remember Darko Milicic? He looks great in practice. Remember those? Remember the Larry Brown press conferences after after the? He's awesome in practice, man. Darko, he's killing it, killing it in practice. Um, I don't know. It depends what the deal is. Like if you're telling me, if you're telling me that I could swap again, going back to the draft question, that I could swap. 14, 20, Obi, and a future lightly protected first to get into the top five, I would do it. So that's essentially four first round picks, kind of five, depending on what the, if you throw the Pistons pick in for one. Would I do it? Yes. Andrew, what team do is doing that? What team is doing that? All right, we could we go over for a minute. Um, yeah, a team. Orlando's team not doing that. Houston's not doing that. Maybe Minnesota because the well, no, because they they're looking yeah. for like one more player. Well, Minnesota, Minnesota's that pick is top three protected. So, so it would have to be four or know, five then. You know who's doing it? You know who's doing it? I'll tell you right fucking now who's doing it. A team where it's the fourth pick or the fifth pick, and it's a, it's a guy that has real agency, real agency. And I don't know if Jalen Green's that player. I don't know if Kuming is that player. I don't know if Suggs is that player. But a guy that has real pull, and it's a fucking Cleveland <laughs> or an Orlando or a Detroit or a Minnesota on the board. Well, it wouldn't be Minnesota on the board because Minnesota's, uh, well, actually, wait, no, it's top three. Yeah, so it might be, it's not going to be Minnesota if it's four or five. But what, let's just say for argument's sake, it's Minnesota at three. It's going to be one of those shitbag franchises where they're like, hey, we're not going to come play for you. I don't give a shit what you do. You can pick us. We'll go play in, you know, Zimbabwe. But we're not playing for your franchise. And the Knicks are there, and the Knicks are like, here's the Godfather offer. That's when it happens. That's when it happens. Okay. If you don't think just, that, if you don't think that's a possibility, you're nuts. That's a. Well, well, no, I just don't know if I just don't know if like. I mean, didn't Zion want to go to? Like, wouldn't Zion have had the, that type of cred? I just don't know if that works in the NBA, as far as like rookies coming out. I mean, it worked 20 years ago for well, 22 years ago for Steve Francis. Um, it worked for hey hey. hey. Chris Stapps, Mr. KP, refused to work out with the Philadelphia 76ers. He told the Philadelphia 76ers to go fuck themselves. I am going to hide in a literal bathroom before I talk to you. That is what the man did. And the Knicks got him. All right. I'm not saying it's, it's it crazy. I just – this draft seems like it's a like generational kind. So, Tyrese Halliburton. Wanted nothing to do with several franchises in the bottom half of the top ten. I don't know if the Knicks were one of them, but um, he didn't want anything to do with some of those franchises. It happens every year. We just don't hear about it as much. Hey, I just also like to add a counterpoint about Obi looking great in practice. Part of that is because five on five he gets to play in practice, so that's probably <laughs> why he looks great. 
Um, <laughs> it is probably, I, yeah. I apologize, everybody, for the difficulties today. It also may not to blame the wonderful people at Locker Room, but apparently this might just be a Locker Room thing today. I've reached out, and we're trying to figure it out. Uh, next week, we will have everything fixed, though. Um, but thank yeah, you, everybody, um, for tuning in. Fourth week is the charm. Uh, oh, any shameless plugs that we need to do? We have a pod uh, tomorrow uh, that we're recording that we'll drop on Monday. Uh, oh, post game live stream tonight after mm-hmm. the after the Bucks game, which will surely be a uh, a surely be a victory for the New York Knickerbockers. Can I just say one thing? Since I won't I won't be on the pod tomorrow because I'm currently out of town. Um, I want this Miami game a lot. I, the Miami game or the or yeah. the well, the Bucks game, of course, game. I want, but I, I genuinely, because national um, radio shows have started to notice that the Knicks have a better record than the Heat, and I'm specifically referencing a national radio show that's based in Miami. And there's this thing where LeBron went to Miami in the early 2010s, and as a result, a lot of Miami. Sh- personalities got recognition but it's the same miami personalities that grew up in the late 90s watching the knicks bounce their team every year and they still have that vendetta and now they're just poking at the knicks anytime they're having fun i really want this miami win on monday you know what would make it really fucked up if they lost the heat have lost six in a row and the next game that they play is the knicks so they're due yeah exactly so it's gonna look it's gonna look like I want this win for all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. Um, we, we went over. Thank you, everybody, for hanging with us. This was, this was a lot of fun. Um, I like talking entirely too much. Although, I would much rather talk to other people. So next week, come back. I promise we will have this uh, figured out as long as Black Robe is okay. Um, and uh, everybody enjoy your week. <laughs> <laughs>